Good morning, church. How many of you were here last week? Wow, that's a lot of you. Y'all are faithful Christians, I tell you. Last week, Laura spoke on uh, I Am the Good Shepherd. And how many of y'all were moved by that message? Can I hear an amen if you are moved by that message? Yeah, Laura's pretty dang good, isn't she? Uh, I don't know too many people who could tell me that I'm stupid as a sheep and still have me crying by the end of the message, right? Um, So today we're going to take one of the other I am statements and talk about I am the resurrection and the life. We're going to dig around there. And where I want to start is how this I am statement is different um, and also how it's very similar to the other I am statements. Have y'all heard about this idea of a a personal brand? It's It's a leadership idea. So just like... Uh, companies have brands, Ford, Apple, Coca-Cola. They say that people have brands too. And Forbes magazine, they rank the value of all these brands in in order, and they assign a dollar figure to them. Uh, My company, Wells Fargo Bank, um, is ranked number 43. And they say that the brand, the image, the name, the logos, uh, that it's worth over $12 billion. That's Billion with a B, just the picture of the stagecoach. And brands are valuable because um, the brand helps us think about the company and it um, influences our feelings about the company and ultimately it may even determine our buying behaviors. So just like companies have a brand, people have brands too. And what leadership coaches will tell you about a personal brand is you can't just tell people who you are. You have to cultivate it over time. So uh, Leaf can't say, I am the answer man. And everybody's going to go, yep, Leaf's the answer man. Um, Becca can't say, I'm the person who gets things done. And then everybody's going to agree, Becca's the person who gets things done. They say you have to cultivate it. So in other words, your words have to equal your actions. And so here in I am the resurrection and the life, um, we get um, uh, Jesus' words and his actions held up together. So where I am the resurrection is very similar to the other I am statements is in that words and actions held together. When Jesus says, I am the bread, he had just fed the 5,000. When Jesus says, I am the way, he was talking to his disciples about his road to the cross and trying to comfort and prepare them for that. And so um, I am the resurrection we're in the middle of the story of Jesus raising Lazarus for the dead. So there are words, I am the resurrection, and the action, raising Lazarus from the dead. So the connection is made. Here's your benediction. Let's all go out and get a burger. <laughs> but you're not going to get off that easily. Um, here's how this I am statement is different. When Jesus said, uh, I am the vine, he was talking to a small group of his disciples When Jesus said, um, I am the gate, he was talking to uh, a group of Jewish leaders. When Jesus said, uh, I am the bread, he was talking to a hungry crowd. But with this I am statement, this I I am the resurrection and the life, he's the only one where he's talking one-on-one. He's talking to one person, a friend, a friend he dearly loved. Jesus was talking to Martha. And so as I prayed on this message, I kept coming back to this idea that this I am statement, 
says as much about who Jesus is as it does about who Martha is and ultimately about who we are. So as I read this passage from John 11, I want you to be hearing Jesus' conversation with his friend Martha. Uh, this is John eleven seventeen through 26, and I'm going to be looking at the message version. When Jesus finally got there, he found Lazarus already four days dead. Bethany was near Jerusalem, only a couple of miles away, and many of the Jews were visiting Martha and Mary, sympathizing with them over their brother. Martha heard Jesus was coming and went out to meet him. Mary remained in the house. Martha said, Master, if you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Even now, I know that whatever you ask, God, he will give you. Jesus said, your brother will be raised up. Martha replied, I know that he will be raised up in the resurrection at the end of time. Jesus said, you don't have to wait for the end. I am right now resurrection and life. The one who believes in me, even though he or she dies, will live. And everyone who lives believing in me does not ultimately die at all. Martha, do you believe this? This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So we don't know um, a lot about Martha. Um, she appears in the New Testament three times. We do have these two stories about Martha that give us a really good insight into her character. Now, what I do know about Martha, I think she would be a really good fit at Bee Creek United Methodist Church. Y'all are people who get things done. When there's a need, you raise your hand. When something is broke, you folks, you go out and fix it. And Martha was that way too. Martha was a get-her-done kind of gal. We learn about Martha in this story in Luke um, where she's invited the disciples and Jesus into her home. And while everybody is in the living room sitting around just listening to what Jesus has to say, Martha is busying herself in the kitchen, trying to get the table ready, making sure everything in the house is in order. She's the responsible one. Can y'all relate to that a little bit? You know, see, Martha was a, an oldest child. Uh, Mary and Lazarus were her younger siblings. And so it's classic older sibling syndrome, right? How many of y'all are older, oldest siblings? Okay, a few of y'all. I cannot relate to this at all. I am the youngest of three. Uh, I have two older sisters, so I'm the baby boy also. So y'all please pray for me. Um, <laughs> baby boy. Yeah. So this is Martha, Martha who gets things done. She's the responsible one. We also learn about Martha in this story here. Um, Jesus hears Jesus, uh, Jesus. Martha hears Jesus is, is coming to the house, and she runs out into the road to meet him before he can get there. So I think maybe Martha's a little bit the impatient one. And this may be uh, really easy to miss in that passage because when we think about Jesus and the disciples traveling, we're usually thinking about them sauntering along on a donkey or, or going by foot. And so getting from point A to point B could take a really long time. You see, Martha had invited Jesus to the house before Lazarus had even died, but he waited until four days after Lazarus had died to arrive. Now, I said this would have been easy to miss, but the scripture in verse 18 says this distance between Bethany where Mary, Martha, and Lazarus were and where Jesus was hanging out in Jerusalem was less than two miles. 
So imagine that Jesus is up at La Cabana and we're down here on campus. I'd have been running out in the road too to figure out what would have taken him so long. So Martha, the one who gets things done, she's responsible, maybe a little impatient. And then also we see this character of Mary as the rational or the logical one. In both stories we have of Martha, she's held in contrast with her sister. Mary is down at Jesus' feet, washing Jesus' feet with her hair. Martha is busy in the kitchen getting stuff done. Mary stays back at the house crying. Martha runs out into the road to get her Lord. Mary says the exact same thing that Martha says. Mary says, Jesus, if only you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And Jesus is deeply troubled, and he weeps with her. But Martha says the exact same thing. Jesus, if only you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And instead of weeping with her, Jesus gives Martha a lecture, and he rationalizes with her. He takes the time to teach her something of himself. So this is the Martha, this is the person who Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. The get her done, impatient, rational Martha. Martha says a couple of things to Jesus that he ultimately corrects. And the first one is this. Martha says, Jesus, if only you'd been here. If only you'd been here. And I believe that that's an earnest cry of Martha's heart. I believe that's an earnest cry of her heart because that's been an earnest cry of my heart. And I believe it's been an earnest cry of your heart because you may look back into your past and you may see some hurt and go, Jesus, if only you'd been here. Somebody maybe did something to you that you didn't deserve. And you look back at it and you go, Jesus, if only you'd been here. And maybe it's not a hurt. Maybe it's a mistake or a series of mistakes. And you think to yourself, Jesus, if only you'd been here. Maybe you can't get comfortable with the life that you used to live and the person that you used to be. And you find your heart crying, Jesus, if only you'd been here. And what does Jesus say to Martha? your brother will rise again. Let me try to explain it this way. Because maybe it's just a regret, a regret for lost time or a lost opportunity. Um, Your youth are going on their mission trip today, and I'm so grateful that this church believes that youth lead and that they have a chance to go out and serve at a young age, just like at at their age. Um, I didn't go on my first mission trip or real big service project until I was 32 years old. And it was a transformative experience for me. I still remember the first day on the mission trip and thinking to myself, there was nothing that should be good about this, nothing that should be fun. I mean, we're in San Antonio, we're on a roof, it's 100 degrees, I'm sleeping with a bunch of sweaty boys on an uncomfortable mattress, but yet... I'm sore and I'm cut and I'm in worship singing like I've never sang before and I felt joy. And that day I wrote in the front of my Bible, I wrote, this is what we were built for. And if this is what we were built for, how come it took me 32 years to figure this out? 
And with that came a big old dose of regret. Jesus, if only you'd been here. But here's what I found. When I look back at all the dead parts of my life and I give those to God, Jesus resurrects them. And not only does he resurrect them, he breathes new life into them. Your young people go into these homes that from any other view look to be dying and broken. And they go in there and they pray over and love on and hug and do their best to get things right. And they breathe new life into these dead spaces. It's pretty amazing how this works. How God can reach back through time and take all these dead and broken pieces and give them new life. He gives them new life by making it an inspiration for you to go out and help others. He gives it new life by making it a source of encouragement and inspiration for other people. So Jesus corrects Martha about her feelings on the past, and he also corrects Martha about her feelings for the future. Man, Martha has some guts. So, Because in this dialogue with Jesus, she kind of gives him a yeah, yeah, yeah. She, Jesus says, Martha, your brother will rise again. She, it, and Martha goes, yeah, get it, Jesus. When the resurrection and the end times come, we're all going to be with you and God in heaven. And I do believe that Martha was comforted, that she felt some kind of consolations in, in Jesus' presence now. And she was comforted by the idea of someday but wasn't comforted in the today. And here Jesus cries out to her again, corrects her thinking, her rational mind, and says, no, I am resurrection and life right now. I'm here right now. I'm inviting you right now. And we all struggle with this, this idea of the future. And I'm wired a little bit this way. I like to have stuff on the calendar. I like to think forward. I like to dream and plan and goal. I don't believe that this is a referendum on any of that. Goals and plans are good and right things. At its simplest, this is thinking that says, I'm going to go to the gym next week, Monday for sure. But it also shows up in the way we think about ourselves. Everything will be okay in the future when I have a better body, when I have a little bit more money, when I learn to pray a little bit better, when I fill in the blank. And here Jesus says to the rational Martha, I'm here right now. Martha had some ideas about who Jesus is. She believed in his power to heal and do miracles. And she believed in a promise of what one day will come but somehow she was missing the truth of who he really is. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. This is a powerful personal brand, and I think it's a whole lot more valuable than a picture of some stagecoaches and horses because it is in his I am that I start to understand who I am. I'm not my past. I'm not my hurt. 
I'm not some future idea of myself. When I close my eyes and I try to feel his present and I feel thankful for the life that I have, I also realize that I'm not my body. I'm not my bones, I'm not my hair, I'm not my spleen. I'm a child of God. I am the relationships that I have. I am the people that I serve. I am the love that I'll give. Not someday, not yesterday, but today. Let's pray together. Father, here we sit at your feet today. And we wait and we listen for your instruction. God, we're amazed at how you reach into the broken and the dead parts of our lives and you find a way to make them to us feel brand new. But what we realize in this process is that, God, you didn't travel in time and insert yourself there. You were there all along. God, help us to accept this invitation into life today. Amen.